Hello, and welcome back to God in Therapy with your favorite licensed mental health counselor, Tara Body. So tonight, we are going to dive in really quickly into a topic called Parenting 101. I would gather to say at least 70% of the people that come into my office for mental health counseling have a parental issue. And so I want to talk to you all. I want, to, I want you to come in and let's sit down for a second because I want to tell you what your children say in therapy. Parents of teenagers, I want to tell you what they say when you send them into therapy. Parents of older children, your children are adults and you're still struggling your relationships. I want to tell you what they're saying when we come into the therapy room. Because a lot of the families are disconnected. A lot of parent-child relationships are disconnected simply because we do not understand God's design fully for parent and child relationships. The first relationship in the Bible was not Adam and Eve. It actually wasn't. The first relationship in the Bible was a parental relationship between God and man. It was God and the first son, Adam. That is the first depiction of a relationship that God wanted to show us. God created Adam and he was taking care of Adam. He was nurturing Adam. When Adam needed correcting, God corrected Adam. And so as we studied God in therapy and the disconnect and dysfunction in parent and child relationships in our culture, in our society, I want to go through this today. I want to map it out point by point what God has revealed to me about parenting, helped me in my parenting, grew me as a parent, gave me an understanding of what I needed to do, and then also gave me grace for my parents. So I want you to come in, get your heart right, get it ready, and I want you to receive what I'm saying tonight with an open perspective. And so I'm going to pray really quickly. Heavenly Father, I pray that the person that is listening, the person that is viewing this, God, will allow you to speak to them today, will allow you to speak into their heart, into their mind, and give them a new perspective, either on their parenting or how they were parenting. I pray for healing, God. I pray for wisdom. I pray for advisement. God, I pray, Lord, that wounds will be healed, Lord. Light will be brought into dark situations, God, and people will leave this session this session, God, with a better understanding in their heart. So I want to talk about this mandate, first of all, because God gave everybody a mandate in every relationship. He told wives what to do with husbands, children what to do with parents. He told everybody what to do. And the issue is if one of the people are out of whack or out of sync or doing something that God did not tell them to do, that's when relationships fail. That's when they're hurt. That's when people are harmed is when one of the two people in the relationship are not living up to the command of God. So let's start with the first command given to parents. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Hear that again, should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So parents, that's your first mandate. God says, train the child in the way they should go. Not in the way you want them to go. Not in the way that you're used to. But the way that they should go. And a second command He gave parents, he said in Ephesians 6 and 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, to anger. It said, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So it's two things. 
two things. And then I'm going to give this third one that everybody likes to quote. All the parents who like to spank their child love to quote this one. Okay? Proverbs 13 and 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. And everybody took that one verse and been beating their children, abusing them, and talking to them crazy and doing whatever because God told me to spare the rod and spoil the child. Okay? If you spare the rod, you spoil them. So let's talk about this. Because there's a lot of correction being given, but not enough love. There's not a balance in the training, and it's causing disconnects. It's causing children to come to wrath. There is this cultural assumption that all teenagers rebel against their parents. When teenagers are angry and they're mad at their parents, everybody kind of looks over it and says, well, that's just teenagers. All of them have attitude problems, and all of them, um, this is the way they are. No, that's not how all of them are not the ones that are balanced in their love and relationship with their parents. Yes, teens do have hormonal um, moments when they're attitudinal, but the relationship building and how they grow with their parents and connect with their parents is an intentional thing done by the parent. So let's walk through some of this stuff tonight. The first concept I want you to understand is when God says train children, he means that they won't get it if you won't do it. Whatever you don't give your child, they won't know, they won't learn, and it won't be in them. So the first thing you have to understand is when your child is doing something and, and they are quote-unquote disobedient or rebellious or they're acting out in negative behaviors, the first thought that should come to your mind is, my child, there is a lack of training on my part. Something that I didn't tell my child about this situation, maybe they've never been in this situation, and it's something they're doing that they don't have a an understanding of not to do this or how to perform this or do this correctly. So I must come to my child first patiently as the Bible talks about. It says do everything in love. So I have to come to my child and first get an understanding of why did you think you should do this or say this? Why did you think this action was okay? My training must be patient. My training must be in love so that I am able to connect with my child, train them so that they don't feel like I am over critiquing them, over punishing them, because bringing your child to wrath, there are specific things you can do as a parent that will bring your child and provoke them to wrath. And I'll give you a couple of key things, and this is what the kids are saying in therapy. This is what the adults are saying was done to them in therapy. Number one, not keeping your word. If you tell your child on Friday we're going to the movies, then Friday comes, you don't feel like it, you have something else you want to do, and you tell your child, well, we're just not going. And that child gets upset. And then you get upset with the child for getting upset. That's a problem. Yes, plans change. Yes, you have to change your mind as a parent. Yes, some things you plan did not go through. But it is not the child's fault that the situation changed. So even if you have to change the situation, you must come humbly to that child. And I know I lost some of you already. I don't have to come humble to my child. I, I, I just couldn't do it and they need to get over it. No, you need to say, look, come here. I need to explain to you that I wanted to take you. It was all in my intentions and I'm not able to do it, but let me tell you what I'm gonna do instead. Because you need to respect that this child was hopeful and wanting to do this. And they don't have much else going in their life. So that trip to the movies on Friday was the highlight of their week. 
I know it was just some little extra thing you're doing, but for them, they were going to spend time with you. They were connecting with you and they were going to do something they wanted to do. So when you get upset with them for getting upset because you disappointed them, you provoke them to wrath. Another key thing, not practicing what you preach is a major issue with bringing children to wrath and calling them to rebel against you. There was an old saying, um, do, as, do as I say, not as I do. That's ridiculous, parents. When God is saying train the child, he's saying the first level of training is your example. That's the biggest example you can really give a child is what you do. It's not about the words out of your mouth. There's a lot of training we're doing with our children without ever speaking a word to them. They are watching us. If you tell your child, I need you to control your emotions. I need you not to get an attitude when things don't go your way. Well, is that what you do? When things don't go your way, are you just sitting there like, it's okay. This did not go my way today. I am very disappointed, but I am going to just smile and smile at my family and talk to my kids good, even though what I wanted on my job today did not go well. No, you come in that house with an attitude and your children see it. And they hear you saying, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to deal with anything. I had a bad day at work. And that bad day caused you to mistreat everybody in the house. So when they have a bad day at school with their friends and they come home and they don't want to talk to anybody and they got an attitude problem, guess where they learned it from? They learned it from you. When you tell your children don't use bad words and don't scream and yell, but you do it all the time. I know, I know, and, and I'm not getting on you. These are things that I had to deal with too. I realize I have three daughters and I see my personality come up in them all the time and I have to change things because I look at them and say, oh, that's me. Oh gosh, that is how I respond to things. And I'll bring that child in and say, look, I know you probably seen me do that or say that, that's not right. And I'm going to try to do better too and you can call me out. See, that's something different. We don't let our children call us out. I don't need a child correcting me. I don't want my child doesn't get to correct me. No, you need to make an agreement with your children that, look, I may have taught you this behavior or I don't know where you picked it up. But if you picked it up from me, I'm going to stop doing it because I don't want you doing it. And so when I do it, you have a right to respect respectfully say, mom, dad, you're doing it again. And we agreed that none of us were going to do that. None of us were going to yell. None of us were going to curse. None of us were going to have an attitude problem and stump, and stump off. How else do you think you're going to come out of that bad habit, that bad habit that does not honor God? Because God is very serious about how we treat children. He's very serious about how we treat others. And I know sometimes kids get the short end of the stick and we'll be kind and nice and respectful to adults. But with kids, we're like, I don't have to do that. They're a child. They'll get over it. No. God is judging us on how we treat children because children cannot stand up for themselves. Children are at our mercy. They depend on us. And God looks very deeply at how you treat those who cannot defend themselves, the powerless. It's not about how you treat people that have power over you. It's not about how you treat people that have authority in your life. It's for those that are the least of them. Those who cannot speak up to you. Those that know that you have this power to make their life miserable. How do you treat a person when you have that power over them? That's the heart that God is looking at. How do you treat your children? A lot of us, the things that are coming in your life, whether it is you feel like you have a lot of bad consequences and a lot of bad luck, 
is because of the direct correlation to what you're doing with your children. You tell God, I want mercy. I want grace. I want favor. I want blessings. But you won't give grace and favor and blessings to your children. Whatever you're withholding from them, understand there's a consequence of that. That the very prayers that you're praying and you're asking God to help you with, they're being held up. Because he's watching how you treat your children. Another issue that brings children um, to wrath is unjust punishment. When the action does not necessarily meet the consequences. So I'll go back to that whole spare the rod, spoil the child. David said in Psalms 23 and 4, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So how <laughs> did we correlate this rod to be some heavy punishment that beat children down? But David said, God, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, a rod and a staff was used in biblical days to guide sheep where they needed to be. If a shepherd beat his sheep, he would lose money because he would kill his sheep. He would injure them and they would be no good. So rods and staffs are not used to beat down anyone, especially in the physical sense. A rod is used to guide that person back into alignment with your will and with the will of God. So when our children are out of alignment, the rod of correction is your voice. The rod of correction is your example. The rod of correction is you sitting down and explaining the thing to them. The rod of correction should be where at the end of the day, if I have to give you consequence, you still leave knowing that I love you. And because I love you is why I'm correcting you, is why I'm protecting you. But this should not be done in anger. If you are trying to give your child a consequence and you find that you are angry, that is not the moment to do it because you are overly punished. You are overly punished them. And now that child is wrathful. A lot of our children are wrathful because they realize I didn't know any better. I've never been in this situation. I'm a child. It was peer pressure. Someone did trick me into doing something. I did fall to whatever the enemy had for me that day. And I got no grace from my parent. No grace. And when a child feels like they're in a situation where no one will hear them and understand them, you produce rebellion in your child. Your children need to know without a doubt that no matter what I do, what mistakes I make, my parent still loves me. My parent is patient enough to bring me to the side and say, look, I understand you a child. You're going to make mistakes. This was a major mistake. What did you learn from it? What did you learn? And how do we not get involved in this again? What do you need to put in place? This is how you create a child that is able to make their own decisions because you won't be there every time they have to make a decision with their friends. You won't be there every time. And a lot of people are like, I got beat when I was young and I turned out fine. Did you? Or did you just get sneakier? Or did you just learn how to hide things from your parents? Did you truly make that switch because you were getting beat? Or did you really, and, and at that point, you are obeying out of fear, but not a reverence, not instruction, not out of knowledge. So that when you went off to the college, you became an adult, you were still doing some of the same behaviors because now I'm not afraid. Now I'm not a child. My parent can't beat me. You don't want your children just simply obeying and doing the right things out of 
fear because the day they don't fear you, they're everywhere. The our prison system is full of people who got spanked. The prison system is full of them. Don't assume that everybody who's in prison didn't get spanked. A lot of them got beat and cursed out and they still ended up in the penitentiary. It's, it's not about you beating your child. It's about you giving your child knowledge to understand how to navigate life. Another issue is embarrassment and ridicule. When you embarrass and ridicule your children, especially in front of family members, especially in front of friends, when you do this, you create rebellion within your child. These children don't believe that you are on their side if you tell everybody in the family their business and what they did wrong. They don't believe that you're on their side. Now, it's one thing to go to family members that love that child and support that child and who are gonna help to raise that child, lift them up, affirm them, and tell them right from wrong. But if you're just talking about that child to people who are now gonna look at them differently and hurt them and bring up these things over and over again about what they did two and three years ago, you're creating rebellion and wrath in your child. Another issue is too much critique and little affirmation. Parents, if you did not receive affirmation from your parent, it may not be natural for you to give it. It's just not natural. Whatever you were trained to do, a lot of that training is coming up in how you raise your children. But going back to our original scripture, God says training these children in the way they should go, not in the way that you were trained because you're going to miss something. You can correct your children, but there must be equal or greater affirmation of who they are, calling out the leader in them, calling out that they are a son or daughter of God, telling them, I believe you are a, an obedient and good child. I truly believe it because everything God made is good. So your child is good, but their behaviors may not be. And these are opportunities to train your child. I know this is a crazy concept, you hear all of these new phrases like conscious parenting. But what conscious parenting is, is parents us being conscious of how we raise our children. This next generation of adults, these new leaders in the church, these people that God wants to be leaders. You cannot beat your child down into submission every day of their life and then say, now go out there and lead. It doesn't match. You don't create leaders by killing their spirit and breaking them down. And one of the last ones is making your children feel undeserving of your love, of your gifts, of the things that you give. Your children are deserving of what you have because God put them in your household. I remember I, remember I had this habit of consistently telling my children what everything cost. Everything I did for them, if I bought them something, I say, you know how much that cost? That was very expensive. You know how much that trip was? That was very expensive. You know that bike I just bought you? That was very expensive. And my children would kind of look at me kind of confused, like, okay. <laughs> like, why are you running down the cost of everything? And I had to sit and really consider why I needed to tell them about the cost of everything. It's because I wanted my children to be grateful. I wanted them to understand the sacrifice of something. But then I understood it was actually something within me because I didn't grow up with these things. God revealed to me, you might be a little jealous that your children are able to get some things that you can't get. They're able to have some opportunities that you don't have. And I know that sounds crazy. 
that a parent would slightly be a little bit jealous. But I challenge some of you today. If you have better opportunities to give things to your children, that's because God put them in your house and wanted them to have it. God chooses the parents. So if he said, I don't want financial struggle to be a part of your children's journey, he decided it. He decided that they would be exposed to things that you did not get exposed to for whoever they are and for whatever their purpose in life is. He didn't want a poverty testimony for your kid. So you can't constantly remind them of how super blessed they are compared to you. You all have two different stories, two different testimonies, two different callings and two different purposes. Your child, God willing, has a greater purpose than you, a greater scope than you. So they need to be exposed to more things. They need not to want and to be in positions where they're having to compromise because they need money from people and they need things from people. You don't need to tell your child all the time how they should be grateful. Because they are your child, you give to them and you give it freely, just the same way that God gives that to you. God doesn't constantly remind us how much things cost all the time. He doesn't constantly remind us um, that we don't deserve what we have. He doesn't do that. He freely gives to us, freely blesses us, fully favors us, watches over us, and protects us. And that's the same love and free spirit we should do when we're giving things to our children. I remember a, an incident um, that I had with my daughter, and I want to share this, because a lot of times as parents, if we're still in the mode of I didn't get a lot of things from our parents, we forget that we are the parent and we are now the game changer. We are now the legacy builder. I remember a story with my daughter one day. She um, was upset about something. I don't know what it was when I picked her up from school, but I had to take her to practice. She had a theater class and I was running late because I had to come from work. I was running late and I took her to class and she was about 15 minutes late. Well, she was upset getting out the car. I said, I know you're upset. You want to be on time. Makes sense. Okay, but have a good day. Nothing I can do about it. And I was mad. I was like, tell your everybody that your parent works. It's 5 o'clock. Because <laughs> I didn't really want to apologize for it. I said, that's life. Get over it. And she got out the car and she was mad. When I picked her up, I expected her to get over it. Get over it. I was late, but she was still upset. And I'm looking like, okay, I get it. You know, I was late. You were late, but you went to practice. Get over it. We get home and I'm, I'm going down expressway just going off on her about just having an attitude because I was late. How dare you? All the things I have to do, all the things I do for you, how dare you get an attitude? All of this, I'm just going off. And she's just sinking down more and more and more. We get home and I talk to my husband. I say, hey, talk to her because she's ungrateful. I gave her a ride. I had told the girl I'm not giving you another ride. Ask your daddy. I just told, just all of this. I let my emotions get involved. So my husband stepped in and he talked to her and then he came back to me. He said, I think it's more than that. I think she's upset with something else. You need to go back in there and talk to her again. So I went in and I kind of looked at her face like, oh, God, here she go again. Wanted to get go in on me. But in that moment, God caught me and he says, it is more than that because she started crying. She just started crying. And I said, no, it's something deeper than that. And God says, Give her what you wanted to get when you were a child. And he said, hug your child. 
And it was a, I, I literally felt God in that moment leading me instead of fussing. He said, be quiet and hug your child. And I held her and she just broke down crying. And once I was able to console her, she told me I had a rough day at school with my friends. And I'm sorry I got upset with you, but I was already upset before I even got in the car. And I told her I didn't even gauge to even find out about her day because I was rushing. I didn't even know that she had had a horrible day with her friends. But I thank God in that moment that he taught me to be a compassionate parent. And this is what I want to say to some of you parents. You may not have been given it, but God can teach you how to be a good parent, a compassionate and nurturing parent. You just have to, in those moments, allow him to lead your parenting. Say, God, I want to be a patient parent, a loving parent, because I want, want to produce a loving and patient child. I want my child to be a carbon copy of me. Because if you can't say today that I want my child to be a carbon copy of me, then something's wrong. And there's something you need to fix and it's something you need to change in your parenting. So in conclusion, I want to say some things to you. You are now the parent, a lot of you. You are the parent. And if you're not a parent but you got parenting issues, I'll address you next time. <laughs> because I want to address those who didn't get that type of parenting, that love and that training. It's hurtful. Some of you are still hurt because of things your parents did. All the things I mentioned about things that would bring a child to wrath, you said that happened to me. And that's why I'm still wrathful with my parent. But I want you to find grace because a lot of your parents didn't get it either. And instead of allowing God to really change their heart and, and, and instead of being aware of what they were doing to you, they had no clue. They were just following a pattern and following a culture. And we will get healing in that here on God and therapy. And so um, love your children. It is a mandate by God that you love them and you train them in his word. And that you treat them how he treats us. If you just hold on to that one thought is that I'm going to always treat my children how I expect God to treat me. And, and if you don't know, he is a loving God. He is not an overpunishing God. He is not a mean-spirited God. He does not hold you to anything you did wrong. He said, love holds no record of wrong. God would not ask us to do things for people that he doesn't do towards us. So anything he's teaching you to treat your children is because he does it for us first. I hope you enjoyed the discussion tonight. I hope you got some perspective. I hope you got some healing. Until next time, this is Star Body with God in Therapy. Take care.